Daddy from the 1994 self-titled debut album from Korn. Um, crazy track. We need to start this episode prefacing the fact that there are some difficult, difficult topics today. And if you listen to the song, Daddy, there are some explicit lyrics in that song. Uh, the lyrics that will be listed in the description area will blank out those words. But if you listen, do know that they're there. Um, pretty relevant for the content that we're talking about today, which is sexual abuse. And we have with us Robert Utaro, who is a crisis counselor and advocate for sexual abuse awareness. And he wrote the book To the Survivors. Buckle up, stay tuned. This is going to be a tough one, but we're ready to rock. Welcome to the Song and Verse Podcast, a discovery of God's Word, one song and a few verses at a time. Here's your host, Rockin' Odd Todd. Hello and welcome to the Song and Verse Podcast, the discovery of God's Word through song and verse. I am your host, Rocking Odd Todd, and we're so happy you decided to be with us today. You know, this was a difficult episode to do. Uh, there's a lot of personal reflection in this that you're going to hear from me. And uh, Robert Utaro does a great job today helping us discuss some pretty dark topics. And again, if you didn't listen to the lead-in, do know that this is a tough subject. It's not for young ears. There is some explicit lyrics in the actual song if you decide to listen to the song. And it's just an adult narrative today. It's very, very difficult. So today's song we'll be looking at is Daddy from the 1994 LP entitled Corn um, from the band Corn. And, uh, you know, we, we've, we've learned a lot about Corn over the years. Uh, Jonathan Davis was apparently... Uh, abused in some pretty nasty ways who was the lead singer for the band and uh, this is really more of his narrative in the song than anything else but we've also found out that Brian Head Welch and Fieldy from Korn are born again believers and walk out their faith even while they play in the band Korn which is so cool to see because those guys can relate in ways that so many other people can't to their audience and it's really really awesome to see people step out in faith and use their gifts and talents the way God has called them to use. And it's not an easy walk. Those guys have been through some heavy, heavy scrutiny for doing what they do, and we commend them for that here. Uh, today's guest, Robert Utaro, a crisis counselor and an advocate for sexual abuse awareness. Really great talking to Robert. He's got a lot of knowledge, and Robert's had a lot of experience in this field and has written a book called To the Survivors, uh, that really talks a little bit about some uh, real scenarios that have happened and ways in which we can be advocates as well. And the biggest one of those is to listen. Uh, we've also got an acronym for the word BLESS that we've put into the description that Robert goes into some pretty good detail on as well. And we've got other links to Robert's stuff in here as well. This is some pretty important stuff, people. We don't talk about this enough in the church. And this was a great conversation. I took a lot away from this discussion with Robert, and it's my hope that you guys will as well. And with that, we have Robert Utaro, author of To the Survivors, crisis counselor and advocate of sexual assault awareness. How's it going today, Robert? I'm doing well. How are you? Man, I am, I'm doing great. It's been a really good week down here. Um, we're actually getting a new truck, so I'm kind of excited. I'll just 
throw that out there. Very nice. <laughs> yeah. So, so you're located up in Massachusetts and you've been working quite a bit with, uh, you know, sexual assault awareness and things of that nature. Uh, tell us a little bit more about how you came about this and writing the book to the survivors. You know, that's some really great content in there and really, you know, you and I talked a little bit on camera, but it really kind of teaches people how to listen and just how to, you know, be an advocate for that and how to really be there in this type of scenario and, and try to help people get some help. Give us a little bit more insight on how you got to that point. Yeah. First of all, I just want to thank you for having me um, on the show. I really appreciate it. And I Definitely. just want to tell everyone out there who's listening, um, if you are listening to uh, understand that we're going to talk about some really heavy things. And I may say some things that are very personal or just heavy. Um, if you yourself have experienced any form of sexual trauma, um, to be mindful of that and just be careful and take care of yourself. You know, if, if this is too much, feel free to turn it off. But uh, during the interview and really after, um, really take care of yourself. Do whatever it is that brings you peace, whether it's running, writing, exercising, you know, maybe bake something, watch TV, prayer, meditation, music. Um, do something and just reach out for help if you need it. Okay. Um, so how did I get into rape crisis counseling is uh, I was a senior in college. It was cool, man. I took a class called Women in Crime. So we learned about, you know, uh, females in the criminal justice system, you know, talking about female gang members, women's prisons, stuff like that. There was a whole topic on the issue of rape. And we were reading a book and honestly, like God was really working in me in that time. I was getting very, just very angry. I was getting very passionate about this topic and I was horrified to learn when people are raped and not believed. Uh, I was horrified to learn when people are raped and not and actually blamed for it. So uh, one day in my class, women from the local rape crisis counselor, uh, rape crisis center, came and did a presentation to our class. And these three women were like angels to me, man. They were they were just so gentle and so strong. Mm -hmm. And what they did was incredible to me. So um, they talked about all the things they did and they showed us a six minute uh, reenactment of a perpetrator explaining how he committed a crime that so this was is, an actual actual footage of a guy saying that. it's a footage where they had the person blocked out okay. and so um that caused a scary rage inside of me that like i, I it's it scared me how like angry i got and then that yeah. rage turned into a deep disgust um that i thought i was going to throw up like in my seat it was just all these things happening and um there were volunteer opportunities. There were ways to get involved. And um, God said to me, will you help? And mm. I was so insecure and so nervous and so scared. Uh, but I said, yes. And I was a terrified kid. And I asked the women after class, hey, you know, can I volunteer? And uh, they, oh, yeah, yeah. And they, you know, took my information. And uh, long story short, I beat some women out for an internship. And my life has never been the same. So wow. I've been doing rape crisis counseling ever since in, in many different forms, uh, not just individual counseling, but uh, just a lot of um, you know, educational outreach and, and all facets, uh, hopefully, um, to just be helpful in, in the field. That's well, how I got involved in it. Well, and so I've got like, a, you know, one question right off the bat, and that's, you know, I, it's kind of weird because I always think of like women being a, you know, sexual crisis, counselor or you know abuse counselor how many men are actually in the field not many, not um, many. to do it we went through a 40-hour training and mm -hmm. at the time 
I had a boss who was just awesome and he was so cool and let me take time off. And like, I would work, make some of the hours up like on the weekend or something. And he was just that cool. So it was 40 hours and it was just me and all women. And the only time I saw a man was there was one male volunteer for community education and the guy who delivered pizzas like on a Friday. Hmm. So that was, uh, that was it. And then once we were in the office, there was only one other, uh, other man working. So, uh, well, it is definitely the majority, uh, women that do this, but there are men that do this and there's plenty of men out in the world who would be amazing at this and, and can do it and, and should do it if they feel called to it. Sure. You know, I think it's, oh, you know, it's such a personal thing and, um, you know, I think as Christians and as the church and stuff like that, we really get into this situation where we forget that we're sexual beings. Um, I don't know of any other way really to put that. And that's by design and that's by creation. But how we control that and what we do with that is vital in our faith, vital in our walk, vital in our day-to-day interactions, you know, it, it, like I said, if we're sexual beings, then it's a part of us. What, what do we do with that? How do we express that? And, um, of course we know in God's word, you're supposed to express that with your, your spouse and your spouse alone, but that's not really the way life always pans out. Um, and so, you know, I think this is a really interesting narrative because in some form or fashion, we've all been introduced or, taught how to perceive sex in some way um and you know you and i talked off camera and on the phone about this and it's not really something that i've shared with a whole lot of people in my life but you know at like age 11 me and some other boys were set down and shown a soft core porn video that really number one took away all the innocence in my life as far as that narrative goes. And number two, started this way of looking at women, you know, um, they just sort of became sex objects. And, and I, it wasn't in like this horrible, horrible mindset to where like, that's all they ever were to me. Of course, you know, I still respected women. and, And luckily, a few short years later, I did come to Christ. And that really turned on a light bulb. It didn't necessarily take away all of those thoughts and, you know, lust and all those things. That was a long journey to get to that point. Um, but it definitely, it definitely took away any of those primal type thoughts, you know, um, as far as women and sex being sex objects is concerned. I, I guess that's where I'm curious from the man side of this is men and women see sex differently. I would, I would suppose, I mean, it, everything that I've ever learned and been taught, they do. And so having both sides of the element in this crisis counseling seems like it would be vital to me. So, you know, do you agree, disagree? How, how does that all kind of pan out? I mean, first of all, thank you for sharing. I think Mm -hmm. it's strong and vulnerable of you to open up and share that thing. And you said something that is so powerful and sad to me is that is about your innocence. Mm -hmm. You know, children are innocent. And there are countless children who are abused, neglected, their innocence is taken in one way or another. And that innocence being taken has a deep effect. It has an effect on people's choices and lives. And that you're open enough to share that, you know, it even had an effect on you. 
And the person that showed that to you um, is so egregiously wrong. You know, uh, no child should be shown anything sexual, um, mm. let alone porn. Like it's, there's, there's just a difference of children and adults and anything in a sexual nature with kids um, is traumatic. So, you know, your feelings are valid and the effects are real. And, um, but in terms of, of sex, I think when we talk about sexual assault, many people do sometimes or often think about it in terms of sex, but it's really more about power and control. There's sexual, we are sexual beings. I agree with that. And we express ourselves sexually differently. And you mentioned just being a part of the church. Many people don't express themselves sexually for fear of many things. Yeah, they, they um, repress it or, or think it's dark or something of that nature. Absolutely. And, and that also, again, affects people's lives. Men and women, I think, some, many of us do think of sex differently, but some of us think of it the same. And sure. some, you know, some think of sex. And that may, be a, sex. that may be a huge misconception, you know. I think so. I think to, the, the, the idea that there's, you know, only women find emotion or love with sex and men don't is foolish. And the idea that women don't commit rape is also foolish. Oh, yeah, so, definitely. You know, women also uh, can do all sorts of traumatic things. So to me, it's not even as much about gender. It's just us as human beings and the way the choices we make. And again, the urges we have, but how we how we handle it and what we choose to do with it. Does that make sense? I, I it, no, it, it does make sense. And, and, you know, the only thing that, that I would really, uh, you know, expound on maybe just a little bit more from my experience was, so, you know, addiction to porn, things of that nature, uh, you know, happened over time and various events in life helped bring me out of that. Of course, God being at the forefront of that and healing and, and redemption and things of that nature. But, there's always a seed and there's always a root, a root of when something started. And it wasn't till the death of that gentleman that I really pulled back that memory of, holy mackerel, this is when everything started. Mm. And it really, there was like an almost like weight off of my shoulders or a deep breath that kind of took place because the guilt and shame that some of those years had really kind of, you know, put me in bondage through a lot of it was let go at the, at that point because it was like dude that was implanted into a, an 11 year old's head that had no idea how to comprehend any of that and developed some really really poor thoughts and habits based on something that they should have never even been shown and so there was a lot of healing in that and and I don't know if if that is scientific or psychological or whatever but it's like being able to go back and pinpoint when this all sort of started was kind of kind of a relief in some ways because you know I, I, and I think that the whole sexual part of this all especially with the church is that there's something wrong with me there's there's I want this for some reason and nobody else deals with this and it really kind of boils down to the fact that we don't talk about it mm -hmm. and you know certain things happen along the way that you really don't have a whole lot of control over. As an 11 year old kid, you're not really going to tell the, the dominant male in the room. This isn't something I think I should be watching. I don't want to watch this. There might be some 11 year olds out there that'll do that, but not if you're wanting to be cool with the rest of the guys. And quite honestly, at the time you looked up to that, that, that 
father figure is like, this dude's kind of cool. He's showing us a bunch of chicks and stuff or whatever, you know? And, um, it's really cool to, to get to the root of that and be able to deal with it, I guess is what I'm really trying to explain here because I feel like that really helped open the door to healing and helped me even accept that healing a little bit more. Um, if that makes sense. It makes perfect sense. Um, there's people feel this massive amount of guilt and shame. And I, I really believe there's justified guilt and shame and unjustified guilt and shame. We talk about sexual assault. People like you had no control over that. You were an 11 year old kid. Sure. So a grown man who you looked up to comes and he could have showed you a baseball game, right? right. Like, you know, you'd be like, Oh, cool. Like you don't even know what's happening. Right. Um, it's egregiously wrong to do that to a child. So, um, so yeah. that, that's an unjustified road, but let's say that I go, you know, 30 years down the road, this has happened to me and I decide, Oh, well, I'm going to do this to somebody else. That's when the other part of it comes into to the question. And, and that's when people continue the cycle. Gotcha. Right. So you don't like, just because people are hurt every day, right? Mm -hmm. Every day all over the world, it doesn't mean they have to continue the abuse or, or continue that. But you know, what you're saying is going back to the root of something like therapy and, and self-reflection and looking back, I don't believe we have to live in the past, but it is necessary at times to go into our past to uncover the root of what is uh, hurting us, what's afflicting us. What is, what is this root cause of suffering? And so many times, because people do open up, you say, wow, the root cause of something truly traumatic that they had no control over, that's what's like changing and ruining your life. We can heal. That can be healed. And yeah. your whole life can change. Your whole life can be different. And it's so sad if you really take the time to understand it, to think about it, to work with people who experience it, listen to people who experience it. It is so, so sad. But once you can understand, and from what you're saying, you had that kind of realization, wait, it's not something I did. I made choices after, but like, look what happened to me as a kid. Sure. And then this weight comes off you. That sounds incredibly freeing. Yeah. Well, and, and I think you brought up some really good points there because one of the things we really strive to do in this, in this particular ministry is point out the uniqueness of God's creation, but yet the unity of it all and the unity being him at the center. But each one of us reacts differently and comes through things differently. And so like you're saying for me to go into the past and see, Oh, that's the point there for somebody else. It may be, Nope, let's not even focus on the past. Let's move forward. Is that what you're saying? Some people do that, but then they don't ultimately deal with the past. Gotcha. And they, they, you know, people can, many people wear masks, right? They pretend to be really well and they, you know, they have a good job. They might have a nice house. They have all these things, but they might be really suffering inside. Mm -hmm. So to me, you have to go through, what, whether it's rape or something else, whether it's being shown upon, whatever it is, you have to eventually go through it to get through it. And yeah. I think it's, it's okay to do that going in the past. Some people, actually many people, oh, they block it out. And that's where science kind of does come into it, where there, there is real brain memory repression, where people actually don't remember things. But there's also a conscious choice where people are like, I don't want to deal with that. I'm not going to deal with that. And that's okay. And they go and live their life but the truth is it's still, it's still eating at them. Well, and, and it's interesting. And, and I don't want to keep coming back to, to my scenario, but it's the one that's right kind of here on the plate at this point. But what's interesting is um, 
I had totally forgotten about that. And it, it, it wasn't, I don't even know that it was something that was suppressed so much as it was just, it just wasn't a thought anymore. I mean, it, it was a, a, you know, an hour and a half on a Sunday afternoon. This guy was, was a, a friend of mine from church too. So <laughs> this can go on anywhere. And I think we need to, you know, really kind of, we really need to kind of talk about some of that too. You know, I'm a father of five kids now. I see all of this stuff in a much different light and, and way more protective than I really kind of ever thought I would be. And I really kind of teeter-totter on that line of, am I being too protective or not protective enough? But that's also something that I want to talk with you about because I've learned very quickly that with five children, all in the same household, come from the same DNA gene pool, but yet they are five completely different individuals. And I know that there's two of those out of the five that I'm going to have the hardest time getting to talk to me if anything god forbid was ever to happen mm -hmm. you know i think two of the other ones probably would talk and then the third one i'm not sure how they would react and i could be completely wrong about that too crisis is something you know that affects everybody differently like we've talked about but i need i really want you to go into like what should what should somebody be looking for in a friend or a family member if or when something like this would have ever happened is, are there signs, are there red flags you could be looking for um, if something just seems off or not right? It's really difficult because so much of this is hidden. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you, if a kid gets hit in the face, there's a black eye, you see the black eye, right? Sure. Uh, if a kid gets molested, you usually don't see it physically. Um, but I do believe there are things that we can see. And, and one of the things that I think of is just a, a, a massive change in behavior. You know, I think of, um, honestly, there's, there's a girl that comes to my mind who, a young girl who I would teach how to box and she was loving it and hitting the bag and, and she had a mean left hook, man. This girl could knock someone out. And then, I don't know, maybe a couple months later, maybe a year later, she didn't look as excited and she didn't, there was just a change in her demeanor and um, she just didn't have energy. She honestly looked depressed. Now, I don't know why, sure. right? I don't know what's happening in this girl's life. I'm not saying that, you know, she was sexually abused, but it makes me worry about her. And I question, you know, what is that change? So, so I do think there are certain things. I think part of growing up as kids into teens, right? And young adults, we tend to change anyway. Some, yeah, you know, it's such a tough time. It's a tough time, but I think it's always important to always check in with people. Hey, how you doing? You know, how was the day? And the biggest thing is always being approachable, right? Like my wife has a daughter. So my stepdaughter, one of the most important things I think I can teach her is that you can always come to us mm -hmm. always, no matter what, if, you know, and she, you know, she's in high school, she's going to go to college soon. If, the, if you're at a party, if you're just anything, if you have an issue, if there's a question, if you've been hurt, just, know that you can't. It doesn't mean that she will, right? But I hope that she she always knows that there's that presence of us that you can always come to us. So I think having that loving, gentle, compassionate environment, I do believe people are more likely to uh, come forward. However, we also have to understand that this is very traumatizing and extremely difficult to talk about. So even yeah. if you know, you're know this amazing father, amazing parent, it still doesn't necessarily mean that they will come forward. We can only hope that they do. Does that make yeah. sense? No, it, it makes perfect sense. You mentioned um, signs that we can look out for. I think it, we have to look out for our children and the, and the people around and, and again, see any real changes. We also just need to be mindful of 
when adults are trying to isolate kids. Yeah. Right. Like there's so much that we really can't prevent, but there are things that we can prevent. And so if we can just be mindful, even, you know, young adults or even just adults in general, people drinking, right. There's, there's a difference of someone having a drink and another and a difference of someone trying to force drinks down your throat. Sure. Right. So there's just, there are things in life that we can be mindful of. And if we are more mindful and just notice things, we might be able to prevent more. I think we can. So, so I was noticing that, that, you know, you have quite a bit of resources out online. Um, your, your book has a, a, a wealth of knowledge about this, but there's also a YouTube channel and some YouTube elements to it where some people go into their stories. Now, if for some reason, like you were saying earlier, if somebody can't, you know, quite go any further watching this or anything of that nature, hopefully you've been with us this long and, and have stuck through it. But if it's too much to continue listening to, we're going to have some of those resources down in the description. And so when you're comfortable and when you feel like you might have some time, you know, check out Robert's book, check out, you know, his YouTube channel and see if there's some things that we can really uh, be there to be beneficial for you and kind of help you out. Um, but, you know, I, that's where I really kind of want to go with this, Robert, is your actual book to begin with. What approach did you take there? And those were some actual cases that you've dealt with, correct? Yeah. Um, I had no idea how to write a book. Yeah. <laughs> None. So I knew two things. I knew that Jesus would be a part of it. And I knew I wanted real, true stories, totally uncensored, like raw, just the truth. And that's what I have. Um, the book is a combination of my journey becoming a rape crisis counselor and what that was like, you know, how I got into it, what the training was like, and, and all my, uh, many of my experiences in that, uh, combined with true stories of women, men, and one transgendered man who have been raped and sexually assaulted. So there's written, uh, written stories, there's poetry, and there's interviews that people opened up and shared with me uh, for this book. So everything that came out is completely true, and it's all their stories. And um, I'm deeply thankful to all those people that uh, chose to open up with me and, and to be a part of this process and to be a part of the book. And, and so where can somebody pick up that if, if they're wanting to, uh, you know, pick up a copy of the book? Is yeah, Am could, Amazon. Yeah, Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, any online real, uh, you know, retailer, um, and the books on my website as well. So robertutara.com. But yeah, um, you there's definitely ways to get it if you want to, and uh, if you don't, that's okay. Okay, cool. So so you know you you you've kind of got me thinking here. So let's say let's say you know somebody gets that person that opens up enough and says, "Look, this is what happened to me." Mm -hmm. How should somebody handle that? And what should they do about it? Because I can, I can only imagine that there is a wide range of emotions somebody would have when somebody comes to that, comes to them. And I can only imagine that the way you react is going to be a huge part of them getting healing as well. Am, am yes. I correct with that? Oh, you're 100% correct. One of the best things I can teach is how to respond to it. So the way we respond to it has immense power. So you can really lead a person down a path of healing or lead a person down a path of destruction based mm -hmm. only on how we respond. To it. But really rape and sexual assault, people have their power and control taken from them. You know, mm -hmm. when you shared what you shared uh, earlier, you had no control in that moment. So uh, part of what we try and do is help people regain that power and control back. And that part of that is also, do you want to read a book or not? 
And um, there are many people who have read that book who have been deeply moved and has really affected them in positive ways. There are other people that are triggered um, and they put it down. There are other people that won't even, they can't even open the first cover and that's totally okay. So there's a range of it. Um, how do we respond to it? It's a, it's a pretty simple acronym I give. It's a tool that you said the top five. Um, I ask people to bless them it's, it, and here's how, right? B is believe. So if someone comes to you and shares something to you, I ask that you believe them. Many people are not believed, and I'm sure you can imagine how horrific that yeah. would be. You came forward and you said to someone, hey, this friend came and showed me a porn movie, and they didn't believe you. Think about what that would do to you, right? And then some people say, well, you know, people lie. Well, those who do lie is a very, very, very small percentage of human beings. Um, and if they do lie, they need serious help to begin with to lie about yeah. a sexual assault. So uh, believe them is the first one. L is listen in counseling and I believe in life, we're more effective when we listen versus speaking. So we have to actively listen to people, listen to them talk, listen to them cry, listen to them scream and listen to their silence. I've sat in just silence with people many times. It's very, um, it's necessary to do. The E is empathy, right? So empathize as best as you can, right? Like I'm not you, you're not me, right? I don't have five kids, you know, but I could, I can try to put myself in your position and be like, wow, which sure. would like to have five young children. I got to do all those diapers, right? right. Um, the S is safety. So you want to ensure people's physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual safety to the best of your abilities. Um, and the last S is support. So you want to support them. So if someone says, you know, I would love to go to the hospital or I want to go to the police or I want to call a hotline center, you say, that's great. I'll go with you. I'll find someone to go with you. We'll help you. If someone doesn't want to go to the hospital, and doesn't want to go to the police and doesn't want to call a crisis center that's also okay and you can imagine why you don't want to go to a hospital to have a very invasive uh, exam performed on you after a horrible traumatic uh, experience and sure. why you don't want to go to the police so uh supporting people and really what they need be a bridge to where they need to go uh I, you'll change someone's life you know there's so much to digest there and mm -hmm. i i think to put in in that you know bless and really kind of walk those steps out is really cool. What would you do with the rage element of that as like a parent or a spouse or any, anybody? I mean, like you were saying, you know, you've, you've had to deal with the rage element, listening to stories of people that you really didn't even know. Um, how, how do you channel that? And, and when somebody, you know, if somebody was to come to you and say something and you're just like, the first thing I want to do is go get a gun and shoot this person how do you, what, what do you say to somebody in that scenario? It's, it's easier said than done, right? It's easier for me and you to talk now and say, Oh, don't do this. But in reality, if, you know, if my sister came up to me today and said I was raped, I would, I don't, I think I would, I, I know I'd be angry, but I wonder, would I be effective in my response? Because I'd probably be so raped. Right. I hope in the moment I, I would try to channel it back because ultimately that rage doesn't help the survivor. It doesn't help the person, the victim, uh, however you define it. It doesn't help that person who's been egregiously assaulted. So I mean, especially if, if you want, end up spending your life in prison, you know, well, that's you're just not it. even if there I, go out, I get a gun and I go shoot someone. I go out and I go beat someone up. I, I stab someone. So I go to prison. My sister's still dealing with the effects of rape. I'm not saying she has. I'm saying if that in this scenario. Sure. Right. Hypothetical. And, 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 and nothing happens to the perpetrator. So explain to me how 
that's the solution, right? Yeah. So um, what's amazing is there are medical advocates in the world who they go to the hospital when people go to the hospital after they've been raped. And it's so great because they can deal with the person who's been assaulted, but they can also deal with the significant others and try to almost maybe calm them down. So that's part of counseling and, and our outreach and outreach in general is to try to help significant others. I've worked with many significant others who um, don't know how to deal with this. They don't know how to respond. And many of us do look at, we think of women being uh, raped and they do at disgusting amounts. Men do as well. And I was once at a conference for male rape survivors and their wives, the women were bawling, man. Like the tears were gushing. It's like they didn't even know. And yeah. now they've realized that their husband of probably 20 years was sexually abused as a child. It yeah. affects the significant others as well. So um, I would just say to them, it's okay to be angry. Get the anger out in mm -hmm. healthy ways by hitting a punching bag. Maybe go out and shoot a gun somewhere, but not hurting. At a range. <laughs> go to a range. Right. Get it out. Because if you don't, it's going to eat you alive. But And it's okay to be angry. It's more than okay to be angry. But ultimately hurting someone else does not help anything. And, 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 you know, I do want to preface that this is all hypothetical. We are just running through scenarios that might help anybody that, you know, not only has been in this situation, but unfortunately life takes so many turns that I hate to say preparedness because I, you know, I don't think you're ever prepared for any of these things, but just to know, you know, start thinking about what you would do in different situations, not only this situation, but but many situations. I mean, you know, I, I can't. I can only imagine how many people have experienced tragedy in their lives, not having a little bit of discernment and wisdom in who their, you know, who the Savior is and who our God is. You know, maybe not being able to walk that out so much. And you know, panic disorder was something I kind of dealt with in college, and it really gave me a. Um, a huge respect for anybody that's walked through that because as a, as a God fearing Christian, it was, a, it was a little bit easier walk. Had I not had that faith element, I don't know that I would be here because mm -hmm. man, there were some really dark valleys in that walk to get through and to hurdle through and having faith and, you know, other believers kind of walking it with me really helped get through that. But, um, and so that's really what this discussion to me is about is preparedness and awareness and learning. I think when, when we come across somebody in life that's been through these kind of things, if you haven't been through them or don't know anybody personally that has, you don't know how to deal with it. And you may alienate yourself from them and make them feel a completely way that you're not even trying to make them feel because you're, you know, you haven't just haven't experienced it or haven't really even thought about it. Um, and so that's, that's really what this is for me, Robert. And I really appreciate you, you know, taking the time to really kind of talk about some of this, because I think the sexual aspect of who we are, especially within the church is, is a detrimental part of the way we treat others and, and, and I don't know that detrimental is really the word, but it, it's a significant way that we treat others and the way that we walk because, you know, I can remember being that kid that maybe thought ways that other kids didn't at that point. And 
always thinking that I was, I was a bad kid or, or this or that, um, you know, good grades, good conduct, stuff like that. But the thought process wasn't always in check. And, you know, it was always weird at the church, so to speak, because nobody ever talked about this. And if you did talk about this, then it was like, you know, this is this, this one we don't go to this, this is the sin box that we don't talk about, you know, lying, stealing, cheating, blah, blah, blah. We can deal with those sins, but these we don't talk about. And, and I just think that being through the process that I've been through, I would much rather have any and every other individual be able to know that that is not correct. You can talk about anything. Confession is good for the soul on many, many levels and especially within our faith. Um, And I don't just mean confession to God. I mean, confession to one another. So, you know, it makes me think of James 516, which I did not have off the top of my head. I had to look it up. And it says, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And so, you know, it's right there in the word that we should be talking to one another about these things, not keeping them in some deep, dark place where they're just going to fester and eat us from the inside out. You know, Um, would you agree with that? Uh, Totally, totally agree. there's so many times I don't go, I can't tell you how many times people have disclosed things to me when I least expected it. Right. Oh, like yeah. I could just be hanging out at a party and, and someone talks to me about this. So uh, we have to be there for one another. I, I believe Jesus calls us to do that. Um, your experience of what you shared makes me think of when Jesus says, and forgive me if I say it incorrectly, but it would be better if a millstone was wrapped around your neck and you'd be mm. dropped to the depths of the sea yeah. and the cause a little one to sin. We, we, we really need to understand that. And, um, you know, talking about the church, I think I've met some truly, truly beautiful, loving Christians and some truly uh, extremely judgmental Christians who treat people horrendously to me. Um, so usually I think we tend, at least in the Christian church, we tend to, um, see someone that's doing something wrong and then we judge them for it, not even thinking that they might have been traumatized at, a, at 11. And it's really uh, manifesting in, in unhealthy ways. We just tend to judge as opposed to try to understand. And yeah. I think we need to try to understand. I think the idea that we somehow can't talk about this is what we need to break. That's just not true. And I would also say to you and to your listeners, Um, if you do have something you want to talk about and you do choose to talk about it and someone just is not, I don't want to say give you what you want, but it's just not responding adequately. Don't let that ruin you and keep you inside for another 10 years. Go find someone else. You know, it's, it's okay. If we disagree, we can disagree on theology and disagree on politics and disagree on life, but we have to, or we should be, respecting each other. And again, if someone comes to me to talk about something, I hope that I can respond adequately. But if I don't, go find someone else that will. Um, Because again, back to what I said earlier, our responses are very powerful. And usually when people are treated so poorly, they tend to shut down. So then they're suffering in silence alone. And that's not good. Yeah. Well, and, and I think, you know, going back a little bit to 
the way that somebody handles you when you've approached them or something like that, when you bring something of this up, don't always take it personally either. There could be a, a, a huge portion of the population that just doesn't know how to deal with it. And so, oh. like you said, go, go find somebody that can, you know, don't, don't stop with that first person. Right. Um, and and so, sadly enough, there are people that are trained in this that still respond poorly. Wow. Shockingly enough. So I've heard, you know, one woman I know of has had a very bad experience at a rape crisis center. That doesn't mean you shouldn't go. It's just saying like, and that she battles with it because I'm telling her different information. Right. Yeah. So it, it, there's a, there's a mental, emotional, there's a spiritual battle that goes on. Um, so I always try and tell people, listen to truth. Don't listen to lies. Listen to the truth, understand the truth and, and go from there. Well, and, and last week, for, for some reason in our daily devotional videos and, and uh, just in the, I do a blog, blog posts. I don't know if I told you about this, but a blog post with Fridays with Alice, Alice Cooper songs and stuff. And Crazy Train from Ozzy and From the Inside from Alice Cooper were two songs we really kind of talked about last week. And it was really kind of the battle of the mind, so to speak. So we talked about mental physical, emotional, and spiritual aspects of the person and how those all kind of play off of one another. And if any, any certain amount of those elements are kind of off a little bit, they can affect the other three. Um, do you see any other aspects that you've dealt with or are those four really kind of the primary ones or? Those are huge ones and it affects people sexually. So I would, sexually, add, sexually. Yeah. I would, yep. I would add sexually in that as well. Sure. So, you know, I, I kind of wanted to take this down a little bit of a musical road as well. And, you know, there's a lot of songs that have kind of talked about this, this subject. And the first one that really kind of came to mind was Janie's Got a Gun from Aerosmith, which we've already talked about, you know, probably wouldn't be the best way to handle this scenario. Actually, let me take that back. This would definitely not be the best way to handle that scenario. <laughs> um but we also talked about the song Daddy a little bit from Corn, And um, you were quite a bit of a Corn fan. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Ever since I was a kid. Yeah. And so, so from, a, a, from a crisis counselor point of view, what does that song say to you? And how many times have you heard the lyrics of that song come up in a conversation, basically? Not verbatim, but that same type scenario play out in a, uh, a counseling session, like hearing some of them. So I remember, so um, at, a, at the counseling center, we would have meetings every month. And I remember talking to my boss at one time and I remember saying, hey, have you ever heard that song? And she did. And she was like, her whole body was like, just her whole demeanor was just changed. Like, like that is, it's just so sad if you listen to it. Mm -hmm. It's like, right. And that's not a woman, that's a man. That's a grown man crying. Yeah. Um, who was, you know, from my understanding, molested as a child. So, um, and this was a crisis counselor you were talking to about it. Yeah. Just, it's just yeah. like, you know, th there's just so many, there's just amazing counselors out there, but even still, even if you do the work, you're still affected. And so you're still like, you can have a counseling session with someone and they, they might not break down like that, but like on that song, on that recording, he just, he broke down. I don't mean to speak for him, but like, you know, I, I can't imagine not he like hearing it. So if you hear it, like really listen to what's being expressed. Um, and it affected me as a kid and it, it affects me now. I actually listened to it today and I started crying towards the end. 
listening to it. Um, and he's and, told he's told his story that goes with it too, correct? Yeah, but I, I I'm not aware of how much he gets into it, but I know he has definitely spoken about it. And I think people, I think people were questioning if it was his own father, but I believe he said that it wasn't, and that it was um, a friend of yeah. uh, of the family. But um, yeah, that song is always something that stuck with me, and that that band is 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 a part of me. I loved Corn as a kid, and I still still listen to them and it's amazing because they kind of lived the rock lifestyle and you know had the fame had the the women had the money everything you know the world says is so great and when you really listen to them speak it really isn't and you know you and I talked about you know just Brian Headwelch's story and Fieldy's story I mean just sobriety alone is important just getting sober but you know yeah. having them their conversion to, to Christ is really beautiful to listen to and and um it's pretty, it's, it's amazing to see kind of their life journey. Well, it, and, you know, just going in a completely corn direction here, which, you know, maybe we could be a little, just a little more upbeat about our conversations, which has all been all great. Don't get me wrong, but this is, this is a heavy topic. So it's I, heavy, you know, man. yeah, yeah, very heavy. Um, but one of the cool things about corn is, you know, Brian constantly gets bombarded or at least did. I don't know if he still does about going back to corn and, you know, the Christian quote unquote world um, getting on him about that. And I think it really plays in well to what this ministry has been called to do and just who I think we are in general to walk with Christ. When God calls you go, you don't quite question you don't put the man's stipulations on it. You don't put man's stipulation on it. You put God's stipulation on it. And when I look at Christ, Christ walked into some pretty quote unquote questionable areas in the eyes of the yes. quote unquote church. Yes. And, and, you know, now that's not to say you don't go into those places without a backup net and a reinforcement. And I think, you know, the Lord did a really cool thing by giving, Brian Fieldy there to kind of play off of now, you know, the two of them together. And I think what's interesting is it's okay to take a step back. It's okay to never take a step back in. Like if he was never supposed to go back into corn, that's perfectly fine as well. But he took that step back. I think it was like, what, eight years that he wasn't with the band and then came back to him, something of that nature. I can't remember the exact timeline, but you know, that worked for Brian. That may not work for Todd. That may not work for Robert. You know, every every situation's unique. And I, I guess, you know, I got into this with, with, with a, a, another podcast guest talking just a little bit about it. Stop worrying about what everybody else is doing. <laughs> Worry about your walk with the Lord and the Holy Spirit working in here keep your eyes on him. Stop looking at the guy next to you or the girl next to you or this group or that group. If we were all to worry about ourselves and support each other in each other's individual walks, I think the kingdom would, would be thriving. And there's just so much infighting sometimes in the church about the way things are supposed to be done and how we're supposed to carry them out that I think the entire message kind of gets either watered down or missed altogether. Mm -hmm. um, and so I commend Brian 
and Fieldy for doing what they're doing because it's definite to me. I mean, have you ever seen those videos where they're like out with the, the, the crowd praying before like concerts and after concerts and stuff? Have you ever seen any of that footage? I have not. That's, that's really cool. Oh my gosh, man. It's, it's really, really powerful stuff. That's cool. Yeah. And I mean, to just have, you know, Fieldy and Brian walk up while you're waiting to go in to sit down and just say, Hey, can we pray with you guys? You know, and I mean, what, what a better witness, what, what more could you ask out of somebody that's anyway, you know, and, and we just talk about a little bit about each genre of music kind of being a different language sometimes, but it's really a universal message. It's just kind of expressed differently. And I think metal is one of those that's really just kind of misunderstood. Totally. Um, And uh, so it's always cool to have a brother in the faith that kind of gets it. And, you know, because I grew up being a metalhead. I I don't really listen to any certain type of music anymore. I can pretty much stomach most of it. But but definitely metal is like at the core of of who I am as far as music's concerned. so it's always cool to be able to talk a little bit about that. But so when did you come to Christ and were you a corn fan before, after, how does that play into there? Well, what you, what you're talking about makes me think of when Jesus says, why do you notice the speck in your brother's eye when there's oh. a wooden beam coming out of your own? Totally. And, you know, and I love, um, I love Christians. I love non-Christians. So I, I look at atheists. One of my best friends is an atheist who you know, when you look at Brian's testimony, it's very difficult to deny that. Sure. Meaning like just, just, it's so beautiful. Like him and Fieldy going to pray with people like this is, this is who they are. And, and um, I would ask atheists to just consider it, right? Like yeah. consider, you know, what's going on. And, and um, it's funny you mentioned metal because I went to a Slayer concert once and I had a, I have a tattoo of, of a cross on my arm and it was a hot day in the summertime. And, I took my shirt off. I had like the tank top on and my friend's like, dude, you better cover that up. And I was like, dude, I don't care. <laughs> like, I, I don't, I'm not worried about any Slayer fan being upset with me. And that, if that ever happened, that'd be an opportunity to talk. Sure. So you can love God and love heavy metal. You can love God and love Slayer. You can love God and love Corn. When I come to Christ, it's an interesting question because I've always felt from as long as I can remember connected to God. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, I was raised in a Catholic family. I just, I, it, faith has always been a big part of me. Like it, I wrote about it a little bit in my book, but when I was a kid, um, a nun looked at me and at the first grade and said that I had a vocation. So I, I guess I don't know what that means, but, um, for as long as I can remember, I've had faith, um, gone in maybe different directions in my life. Um, I would say even now as an older man, I'm getting, uh, hopefully deeper and deeper into my faith. Um, but I, I, I can't say I've had necessarily like this part of my life where I had no faith. And then all of a sudden I have that come to Christ moment, if that makes sense. Um, no, it, it, it totally does. I mean, you know, I definitely believe that there are children that when they've accepted who Christ is and really, really get it from a young age, they just got it and and they walked it out, you know, I think what's interesting sometimes is when people think of a walk, when somebody says my walk or my journey with Christ, they're like, there's, there's a certain amount of population out there that's like, Oh, well, I guess that's when they thought they became perfect. 
Mm. No, that's when the light bulb went on and I realized that I needed, <laughs> I need intervention. I need help that I can't do this on my own. I need, you know, uh, something greater than myself to help me keep, you know, pushing forward. You know, I, I think that can happen at any age. And I think it's kind of a, a bum thing for anybody to say that, you know, a five-year-old or six-year-old child can't figure it out. Cause I think they definitely, most definitely can. Um, and fact, to, I mean, to what you just said, I mean, I've definitely had those moments, man, when I've been very low and sure deep in sin and, and making tons of mistakes. And, and I know that God is the only one that can get me through it. I have a tattoo on my back that says strength from above. Um, I once, I was getting a deep tissue massage from an injury and the man who was Jewish, um, who was giving me the massage, just kept mentioning that he just loved that tattoo. And then while he's giving the massage, we can have this really cool conversation. And it's like, I always look up or, and when I don't, I usually get in trouble. So. <laughs> wow. Yeah. No, definitely. But yeah, man, I've loved metal since I was a kid. I love corn as a kid. And, and, um, uh, well, that's what I was really wanting to get at is like, yeah what does it mean to see like these, these dudes, these guys that were kind of like quote unquote heroes or, you know, I, I think they, they, they get labeled that unfortunately sometimes and put into that category when they become Christians and the faith and stuff where they're automatically thrown up on this pedestal where, you know, nobody's going to live up to the standards that we want them to walk out at that point. It's, it's so interesting what you said because we're flawed people. And so you have people, I think, putting musicians on a pedestal like they're God is foolish. And then when they become uh, believers in God and then change their life, then we get mad that they go and play music in a metal band, which is also foolish. Right. So back to what you said earlier, I, I don't understand that at all. And what Brian said in one of his interviews that I loved, he said he's going to go in and pull people out. And you can't tell me that. Uh, agree or disagree you can't tell me that brian and fieldy for example haven't had an effect have not had a positive effect when you listen to brian's story when he just he just speaks from his heart he speaks his truth he speaks he doesn't shy away from any of his addictions and his life and there's just power and truth um yeah. so his spirit moves and he clearly loves the lord i don't know why people well, I, be like, I, upset with that I think what's interesting is, so you go to church, the dude next to you, he decides, you know what? I, I think this is true. I want to walk out this faith. I want to be part of it. We all celebrate. We're ready to walk that out with him. But whenever a celebrity or somebody of that nature does it, we're always like skeptical. Mm. And, and I'm saying this as a global, like, you know, society, you know, why are they doing that? What is in it for them? Why are they going to benefit from that? Well, quite frankly, they probably aren't going to benefit very well at all to begin with. Um, you know, I don't think Brian stepping out and accepting the faith and leaving corn necessarily was the greatest thing for him financially or, <laughs> you know, any, anything like a, of that nature. Dude, um, I think he walked away from like, I want to say like $23 million or something. Yeah. Yeah. And like, so <laughs> what it really starts to do is it really kind of shows you this mindset that, man, there's more to life. Look at this. This rock star has walked away from everything he's ever been given to follow, you know, something that the rest of the world may see as irrational. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, so I see it that way. And, and like I said, when, when they, when they take that on, we need to know that like any other human being, they're going to fall and, and 
we need to be there to lift anybody up when, when, when that happens and, and hopefully have the same thing return, you know, to, to, and for us. So, um, but man, this has been a really great conversation. Um, again, thank you for your story. And, and, and I just want to say to people out there that you can get through this. It's a very heavy conversation. Again, lighten it up, like go put on some music, go running, go take care sure. of yourself after this, but, um, and take it in tidbits if you need to, correct? Take it in tidbits, like go at your pace. That's okay to do, but you must know that this does not have to cripple you. This does not have to control you. This does not have to ruin your life. It does not um, have that power over you. Uh, many people all over the world are deeply, deeply suffering in this, and it's affecting their souls. It's, affecting a lot of, it's leading to suicide. It's leading to so many different things. Um, but it doesn't have to. There are people out there that will listen to you. There are people out there that will believe you. Um, and especially, again, whatever you're going through, it's not unspeakable. It really isn't. People really will sit there and listen to you. Um, and I would just urge you, uh, believer or unbeliever, to contemplate and think of the existence of God and to express yourself, express yourself in screams and cries, in talking, in writing, in prayer. Um, get it out. God listens to you. Even if you don't believe in God, you are loved more than you will ever know. Um, so just, I ask you to think about that and um, just go in peace. Jesus says, go in peace. Peace can come for you. We are defined by our creator and his gift of his son on the cross and not by our experiences. So yes. our, our definition comes from him, not through what we've been through, what we're going through or what we will go through. Um, uh, he defined us in that moment on the cross by giving his life. So, so from being up in, uh, being up in Massachusetts, you know, I've never been able to go to a Red Sox game at Fenway. I've always wanted to go see the green monster. How many times have you been up there? You a Pats fan, you a Celtics fan. What are you being from up yeah, there? I'm, I'm probably all of the above Celtics fan, all of the above Celtics fan. Number one, love the Patriots. And, uh, yeah, Fenway Park's quite an experience, man. I love, love seeing Red Sox games, but can't do it now. Yeah, that's true. And you know, that's, that's one of my bucket list items is go to every single baseball park in the nation. And I'm not even really a big baseball fan, but it's part of America's pastime. You know, it's just something to do. It's that'd be cool. I, I kind of end up, I can't end up going and like watching people more than I do the game. <laughs> <laughs> It's funny. I love going to Yankee Stadium. Like I love seeing uh, the Red Sox play the Yankees in New York. It's a, a lot of fun. So cool. Well, if I'm ever up there, man, I'm going to hit you up and we'll have to go see a ball game. Oh, please do. All right, man. Well, this has been a really good episode. Uh, we thank you so much for being here today, Robert, and you take care. Thank you. You as well. All right, guys, this is Rockin' Odd Todd signing out for this episode of the Song of Verse podcast. Remember to love God, love people, and love Pat. You guys take care. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Song of Verse podcast. Hopefully it was an uplifting, honest, and meaningful experience for you. We do accept donations. If you feel led to give to the Song and Verse Ministries, check out songandverseministries.com slash donate for a number of different ways to give back. And also be sure to check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. We hope you turn into the next episode of the Song and Verse podcast. Until then, keep searching for the DNA of God's Word found flowing through song.